The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 25, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day, Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben. Woo! Baby, we got a win and we're back. Let's go. How you doing, brother? <laughs> it feels, it feels, let, let me tell you the number one thing that feels good. Winning a football game and beating the Giants. But a very close second is that the most, like, abrasive thing being added, uh, told, you know, told, responded to me on social media is, well, we got to remember, it's the Giants, <laughs> which, like, yeah. I, I think that while the defense performed well, we should really hit that note hard there because the Giants' offense was quite discombobulated. Offensively, very, I think, very strong performance across the board, irregardless of who the, the, the defense was. If it, it was clearly across the board better execution on all fronts, and that's yeah. the best news here. I think that this was the realization of what we've kind of been talking about for the past two weeks, Mike, which is simply this team just keeps on losing big moments and the keep, things keep on tipping the wrong way, and they keep on shooting themselves in the foot in stupid situations. This was, uh, you know, this was just, it was just clean, a good team beating a bad team the way you expect to see. Yeah, and that's what needs to happen. 34 to 13 is your final for the Eagles. They moved to three and three. Giants moved to one and five. And, and yeah, let's be clear. This is a bad Giants team that we saw quit before our eyes, which was very enjoyable. Pat Shermer's upset on the sideline, yelling, throw the ball to Eli. Odell walking out before the half. Wait, 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 wait. I missed, wait, Shermer was yelling at Eli to throw it? I didn't see that. I've got it quote tweeted on my uh, timeline. Go check I'll it go out. I'll go find it. I'll go find it. I'll go find it. Yeah, he was captain check down in some crazy moments. But at the same time, Shermer's calling two draws when they're down like three, like it was, it was wild. But yeah, overall, 
what you said about the offense, I feel is correct. We haven't been as hard on the offense as maybe some people thought we should have been because we felt like it was only a matter of time before they found their footing and started to get it going. I thought the adjustments they made early in the game when the line had some struggles were very good. I thought the the run pass, you know, the decision making, the play calling was better. As they adjusted, they started to give Went some more defined high-low reads. He executed them very well, 26 for 36, 278, three touchdowns. And on the plays where he held the ball, he made some plays. There was a red zone touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey, which was fantastic. He finds Nelson Aguilar down the field when he when he holds on to a little play, play action boot. So when he did hold on to the ball, there was a purpose and he made some big plays. And that's kind of what we were missing, too. People were criticizing Wentz for holding on to the ball. You're going to get that downside to it, too, where he takes some sacks and, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you get those big busting plays from him. I thought Wentz was lights out this game. Oh. Shout out to Saquon Barkley for one main reason. <laughs> yeah. Because he had a strong enough game, an incredible game, so that the national conversation as far as individual player performance was solely focused on Barkley. And yeah. everybody missed the fact that Carson looks so back. Oh, he looks so back and it's the <laughs> best. Oh, it's so cool to see. But no, I think you bring up a fantastic point. Uh, you know, the living with, with the double-edged sword of Carson just being a guy who likes to hold on to the ball and extend plays. That drive, I believe it was in the in the second quarter, uh, where Philadelphia comes out and just, uh, or it might have been late first, uh, yeah. relinquishes a lot of pressure. Jason Peters got beat a couple times by Olivier Vernon. He ends up going out with the biceps, which is something to note now. Uh, he's left two of the past five games early. And bi- and biceps sounds ominous. You hope it's a strain. If that's a tear, yeah. that's really bad news. And, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, go ahead. Right. So so the, the point being, there was a good amount of pressure that came in Carson's way. And he was spending a lot of time just sitting in the pocket, working progressions. He wasn't moving off his spot at all. And that's just the, the this is what we've been trying to emphasize with the offensive line. The fault goes on the offensive lineman who missed the block. But there's mm-hmm. other stuff you can do to help. And mm-hmm. Uh, you immediately you come out the next drive. Number one, there's a heavy emphasis on the running game and the RPO, which lets your offensive linemen be aggressive. They get to be the aggressor. They get to attack. They're the ones who drive down and, and they're initiating contact. And then those quick passes, you don't really have to worry about protection nearly as much. And after those couple of drives, pass protection greatly improved, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just going to let your offensive line get into a flow, get into a good physical headspace. You know what I mean? So I, I, that was a strategy they employed against the Vikings that worked well. And then you saw it again immediately after offensive line struggles here against the Giants. I really, really like that. Carson, when he had time, mm. fantastic decision-making. Did not put the ball in danger once, except for the one where he got hit and the ball ducked out and Nelson Aguilar made a great play, which is one <laughs> of those situations where – a tipping point play went Philadelphia's way. Yeah, exactly. Last week, that play goes into the lap of uh, of Limbaugh Joseph. This week, it goes into the lap of Nelson Aguilar. Things, exactly. Man, these things happen. <laughs> Great way to say it, Mike. Pre- precisely. And so, but kept the ball safe. Placement was unbelievable. Unreal. Mike, Mike <laughs> into the boundary, 10, 15 yards down the field, up against the sideline. Perfect. Yeah. Red zone, short windows, quick decisions. Flawless. Talking. Mike. Mikey looks good. Oh, man. And we're still, I think we're still at the point, and, and I don't know how much of this is rust and how much of this is he's a third-year player and this is just kind of his play style uh, and he's still growing through it or whatever. Uh, we're still at a point where he'll stare things down a little bit and he'll get yeah. heavy on his first read and he'll he'll sink his feet into the ground. That's what, you know, that uh, you saw Aikman broke down a play where Carson was just standing there. His feet weren't moving at all. That uh, Nelson Aguilar long throw where it was a terrible throw 
it was because Garson's feet weren't moving. He threw that thing with all arm, which was so ugly, but it worked. Um, so he still has those little problems, some processing, and, you know, just like pacing is kind of what I would call it. It's like timing, you know. But at the end of the day, I mean, how many quarterbacks you take him before him if you're starting a franchise? That was the question that was asked last year, and the answer was zero. This year, I mean, probably Patrick Mahomes is going to make uh, make a push, but to me, the answer still zero. Oh, he looks good. Who, who else stood out for you? Because I thought Alshon Jeffrey played another fantastic game, mm-hmm. making some contested catches. Nelly with the downfield throw that we talked about, making things happen, extending plays like he like he's so good at. Zach Ertz, consistent, seven catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Other than that, the the run game was solid. You worried about Smallwood there when he had that fumble, but he ended up recovering it, so we don't have to yell at yeah. him right now because that would have been a bad situation for that to happen. Let the Giants give them some life, get them back in the game, but he was able to get it back. The offensive line, as we said, some struggles early, really acquitted themselves well throughout the rest of the game. I want to talk about Isaac Simalu real, real quick because, mm-hmm. number one, you pointed out on Twitter, he is a dog in the, in the run game, and you didn't hear anything from him in, in the past game, which tells me, and I was watching him too, he had a pretty pretty good game there too. So I think switching him out for Wisniewski, while we were baffled by it at first, and we were baffled by what Jeff Statlin had to say about him in the offseason, he has improved, man. He has definitely improved. I, I think that like what what my big thing with Sam Malo is is he came out of Oregon State small. And he has yeah. remained small at the NFL level. And that size will always leave issues for him. He was getting walked back pretty consistently. Okay, so yeah. he is he's, the, the depth of the pocket. Pocket integrity is getting compromised there. And so that gives your quarterback no room to step up. Uh, when your quarterback lacks room to step up, edge pressure becomes a lot more dangerous uh, because your quarterback has no room to kind of uh, just to counter that by simply climbing in the pocket. Now, that being said, it's very clear that his initial footwork and handwork are better than they were coming into the league. And then also, you know, from what we saw of him even last year yeah. in terms of his ability to consistently leverage and then re-leverage his hands underneath the shoulder pads and get into the chest plate so that when he's getting walked back, he still remains quarterback rusher integrity where he is between the two. Mm -hmm. At this point, that's kind of what you're going to ask from him in that regard. Like, you know, he's not going to hold up well against the uh, Dalvin Tomlinson's and BJ Hills of the world because those are two big boys who can generate a lot of rolling power. Uh, And that's going to be a problem. Uh, if you're relying on Isaac Samuelo in like a big, uh, a big postseason game against Indomik and Sue and and Aaron Donald, like that's going to be a mm-hmm. thing we end up talking about. For sure. But the hand, there's clear technical improvements which help him out to deal with his natural limitations. Right. It's worth noting another guy who you could describe that way is Jason Kelsey. Now Kelsey <laughs> is such a technician and wins so early in the reps that you don't notice it as much, right? So that's mm-hmm. your that's what you're looking at with Sam Malo. That's still a developmental thing. He's not there yet. I'm just saying, like, there are great NFL players who survive with that limitation. But like you said with the running game, uh, simply what he clearly brings that Wiz doesn't is the ability to seal off a first-level block, mm. you know, hit, uh, hit a combo block, hit an ace block, hit a deuce, hit a, you know, whatever, and then get up into the second level with nice angles and a lot of, of rapidity, swiftness. You know, he very yeah. quick first to second level, explosive steps like that. And that's really beneficial. You saw so many, like, five-yard runs tonight because simply there were so many creases. There was so much yeah. quick space that you could just get your nose into, fall forward. It's a positive game, keeps you ahead of the sticks. And when you've got no real world beaters at running back right now, that's perfectly fine to see. Yeah, and he, I thought he did well in the, in the same areas that you mentioned. Being able to get to that second level, locate, 
seal off. He's not going to, you know, he's not putting guys in the dirt or anything like that, but his, his angles, like you said, very well done. I'm going to switch it to the defense real quick. His team allowed 13 points and we were concerned about some of the coverage. Uh, Jim Schwartz has been under fire. We saw some flexibility in the defense's plan Mm -hmm. for the Eagles. You saw them play some too high with some cover two. I remember uh, Darby played his flat zone really well on one with a good understanding of how he can leverage his drop and bait and still get good depth. You saw some Rasul Douglas at safety, which is something people really wanted to see. The defense got pressure, a lot of pressure on Eli Manning, which is what we expected. I think at one point on 30 dropbacks, we had 10 quarterback hits, not pressures, 10 quarterback hits. Yeah, That's big, right? So the Giants offense basically predicated on Saquon Barkley making something out of literally nothing. Uh, although his first run was blocked up perfectly too, and, and you know there was some nice blocking on some screen passes, but our, no, that's why am I saying screen passes as if there were multiple ones? There was one. They tried to run a second one, and like Hicks late. snips it out real well. Yeah, that was super. The game was already over by then. Like I don't know what their game plan is, but look again, the, uh, Eli is bad. The double moves weren't there. The coverage showed some different things that we hadn't seen, and we were worried if Schwartz was going to be able to get on the get-right train. I think we're on the way. Uh, However, there still are some issues, especially tackling in space, but you're also talking about Saquon Barkley as well, who's just an elite talent, so we'll see how those continue. But I saw Darby come up and click-clack and make a play, too. Yeah. Darby Darby has ramped up his play in the past two weeks, in my opinion. He was aggressive against screens, against the Vikings. He was aggressive mm-hmm. against screens tonight, and he was decent in coverage against the Vikings. There's the clip of Stephon Diggs putting him into next week, but he was solid. Yeah, and what about uh, Jalen Mills? Because it's not an Eagles game without Jalen Mills getting beat by Cody Latimer, but other than that, I mean, he bounced back, and then he didn't talk trash to the guy who just burned him, so that was a plus. Uh, yeah, overall, you, your feeling is on the secondary. It's, it's, it's hard to get a feel of how the secondary played when Eli is hitting his third step and immediately checking down. Right. So that's 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 the number one thing. Like, how did the secondary play? The secondary played exactly how you want them to play in the Jim Schwartz defense. You have no idea because there is no time, right? And this is what and yeah. this is why and I know I've said this a few times and I'm really not trying to, to toot the toot the horn of the Kiss and Solak show here. But this is what we talked about, Mike, for two, three weeks. You know, the Eagles uh pass uh, pass defense was struggling against the Titans, struggling against the Vikings. We said, listen. The way that you, you know, why is there so much off coverage? Why is there so much cover three? Because Jim Schwartz wants to put eight in the box. He wants to uh, discourage you from being able to run the football on him so that his pass rushers can tee off. And then he wants you to not be able to push the ball deep because you don't have enough time. This Mm. is exactly what a Jim Schwartz defensive game plan you want it to look like. Now, that being said, he didn't run as much cover three as he usually does. And the big reason, Mike, to me was the Evan Ingram and Red Ellison dual inactives, tight end one and tight end two for the New York Giants. And we brought up the fact that they like to go in 12 personnel with one back and two tight ends. When there's no big receiving threat at tight end, you don't need to make sure Jenkins is up in the box as frequently so as to have the freedom to run man coverage. When you don't need Jenkins up in the box as frequently... You have the potential to and like hold, hold, hold everything here. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Play Jenkins at an actual safety alignment. Whoa! <laughs> and when you can do that. You can play too high. You can play too deep, right? And, and you're not nearly as worried about tight end receiving threats. You saw Philadelphia run probably more actual too deep coverage, like more traditional cover two, than you've seen them run under Jim Schwartz, you know, for the past whatever three seasons it's been that he's been here. 
You know, like uh, it was it was up there for sure. It wasn't even their dominant coverage, I would say. But the fact that they're able to sprinkle those in does two things. One, it allows you to be far more multiple in what you change to at the snap. So you can give like, you know, the Eagles opened up in a in a cover two look first snap mm. of the game rotated to cover three. Right. So you yes. can do that now. You can be like, woo, 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 a little shifty, shifty. But number two, you're helping so much more on those outside boundary routes. Your corners can play more aggressively into the comeback route. The Ronald Darby pass breakup on Odell Beckham late in the first quarter. Perfect example. Darby gets to play underneath Beckham in a trail technique behind him because he knows he has safety help over the top in a two-deep shell. Then when Darby reads the back shoulder honey hole throw, he can get into it, pass breakup with his quickness. That's how you'd love to use Ronald Darby. That's, yeah. that's great for him. That's that's just his his skill set. That's perfect. And the Eagles got to do that tonight. That's what I had asked for. Just a little bit of cover too. Remember after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where they gashed us with a thousand mm-hmm. curls, and I said every now and then, just discourage them off that throw. Play some mm-hmm. cover too. Here's what's going to be exciting is when you go back and you chart this, because I'm not going to, when you go back and you chart this and you see the success rate of passing plays in cover two versus cover three, because I guarantee you the first thing that Jim Schwartz is going to have on his desk tomorrow morning, Friday, yes. whenever you're listening to this, Those numbers. is success rates relative to his, his safety shells. Because if the Eagles are active on the trade market right now, if the Eagles did open up cap space, and maybe it's not for running back, if, if you can – Go to Howie and say, "Look, when I can put two safeties deep, I, 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 and I can just at least work this in. We can solve some of these deep ball problems." And and the data is very conditional on the fact that Eli Manning can't throw the ball further than fifteen yards down the field. I absolutely understand that. But the thing is, like, there, even if it's a false positive, I still think it's going to bear fruit because offenses aren't going to know the shell every single time they get to the line of scrimmage, and just yeah. that alone puts half a second more time on the quarterback to process that gives your, your pass rush time to get there and so i'll be very interested to see what the next move is you know this game now you're going to get uh carolina i'm pretty sure greg olson's healthy you're never positive but he probably is and if greg olson's healthy they've even they drafted uh the the ian thomas the indiana kids so they've got tight ends that they're going to be willing to use carolina you know, uh, are we going to revert back because we're worried about the tight end threat? We got to take that away. Obviously, Carolina also, they'll do optiony stuff. They'll do two back sets. You got to get an extra guy in the box for that. We're getting ahead of ourselves. The thing is, <laughs> I'm relatively certain there were good results from cover two looks, two deep shells tonight. And that is good news for the Kiston Solak show brand and the Philadelphia Eagles defense. The final note, uh, yeah. just Rasul Douglas to free safety. It was exclusively because there was an injury to Sidney yeah. Jones. Went down with a hamstring. I think that was not something that they wanted to happen. I can promise you that. Number one. Number two, when he nearly picked off that like oh. ball that got popped in the air, if he had picked off a ball from single high safety, Eagle fans would be inconsolable for 10 years. So Douglas would be retired. And they'd be like, why isn't he at safety right now? Right? <laughs> if, like That was the first play. He was in for a series before then, but that was his like, first opportunity to make a play. Man, that just would have made me laugh. I'll, I'll reserve judgment on all safety play until you get all twenty-two because you really can't yeah. see them on the broadcast film. I can t- I can tell you the angle that him and him and Bradham took to to Barkley on that late touchdown run right. was uh, not fantastic. <laughs> I think again that's a weird ang- that that's a different way of seeing things for yeah. Douglas when he exactly. I, he never started that safety. I don't know if you played a little bit of safety at West Virginia. That was a whole big thing on Twitter between him and Jimmy Kemsky. That was but, so funny, you know. <laughs> Listen, yeah, so that angle on the Barkley play is a couple of things. One, Sewell was at the hash on which Barkley scored, like that side of the field, and then he was rolling to the middle 
at the snap. So he was already right. going the wrong direction, number one. Number two, the Giants ran duo to the strong side. So they yeah. their entire blocking scheme was like, hey, we're going we're going to your right. Rasul, we're going to your right. So Rasul comes up, and he that's where the ball should be coming. And then Bradham ha- has force player responsibilities. Bradham up there as the, the end man of line of scrimmage. He has yep. contained... Sewell is the alley player. So the idea yeah. is Bradham makes Barkley come upfield. Sewell comes down for the tackle. So mm-hmm. yeah, Sewell was late reading it and his angle was probably too flat. But to ask a corner to make that complex of a read on a pl- an athlete like Barkley <laughs> That's what I mean, yeah. from safety, it's just like, yeah, it was a bad angle by Sewell. But there was nothing better you could have expected from him in that situation. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. The fact that the Giants... Just didn't throw it to the deep middle of the field when Rasul Douglas is playing free safety is amazing. It just goes to show they don't think Eli can throw it there. It's so bad, dude. Eli, oh man, I, uh, if I was a Giants fan, just with this, wow, just with this team, like we we can we can look at things like through the lens that like we were getting on the verge with this team, right? And I even said if if we come out flat this game, you know, now I'm hitting the panic button. I'm not hitting the panic button anymore. I'm not. You know, this is a bad team, again, that we beat. Not all is cured. We still have issues to clean up, and we have to execute against a better team and and whatnot, but things are better. What we saw from the Giants, can you imagine, for a second, put yourself in the mindset of a Giants fan and think about having to do this show if the Eagles played like the Giants played tonight? I would be furious. I would be absolutely furious, and I would be right there with the fan base going, saying, burn it all down. What is redemptive? Like, what would you be like, but this was good? Like, just Barkley, right? Like, literally just Barkley. Literally just Barkley. Everybody on that team. one out of the 53 players. Barkley was the only, and Odell was trying, but uh, Odell also walked out before halftime. Uh, Shermer said at his presser that he needed an IV. Yeah, sure. What he needed an IV for with his two catches for 12 yards, your boy doesn't know. We were very concerned about Odell coming into this game, and I I don't know about you, I, I saw an effort issue on on one of the streaks he had on Darby. Like, I don't think he expected the ball at all. Uh, that relationship between him and Eli has got to be getting real tense right now. Yeah, I, like Eli and Odell's relationship, there's no way it's good. Shermer and Odell's relationship, there's no way that's good. I, I'll be honest with you, like, I was hearing Aikman and Buck and Twitter say about, you know, effort issues. And, like, this is going to sound super nerdy. I was so, like, very, like, I, like locked in on, like, the X's nose that just wasn't like I was like okay you know what I mean like, yeah. I didn't even like to notice too much I think like to the uh, we were so worried about Odell point and then you know the Eagles not coming out flat I think the best way to kind of summarize what we saw you know contextualize with what we expected was we expected the Eagles to come out strong and and clean up a lot of the execution mistakes and play like a team that had a lot to play for and they did yeah we expected a closer game not because we thought the Eagles would uh, perform any less than they did we at least thought the Giants would have something. We yeah. at least, I, I at least thought that you were going to get, you know, some uh, some some good play from the the secondary, and you know, Janoris Jenkins wasn't going to get sunned by Alshon Jeffrey for the most part. I thought you were going to at least get, you know, some longer drives where they were able to get some explosive plays to Odell and, and gather some momentum in that stadium. I mean, they came out flat and ended flatter, right? Yeah. And so, I, I alluded to this in the beginning of the show. I think offensively, you can comfortably say a lot of the concerns with the Eagles, we took a step forward. And I kind of, I I had a a take where I was like, yeah, the offensive line is playing a little better, but also the adjustments for the offensive line are better than they have been in the past weeks. Yeah, the red zone execution is a little better, but also I think the play calling is fresher and a little bit more inventive. A lot of the, the stuff that we said, oh, this is due to a number of factors, 
all those factors kind of took a step forward. So there's still things mm-hmm. to be concerned about. There's still offensive line communication issues. Very clearly blitzing five men, you got a free rush. Like, we got to shore that up. You know, that's an issue. Already talked about a few Carson, you know, errors, whatever. But overall, I think, you know, you, what you saw from the offense in a vacuum was good. The defense is still where the questions are going to be for me in terms mm-hmm. of how the scheme is deployed when you, you're not against such an defeat passing attack, number one. And then number two, uh, what what's going to happen when a team actually has a quarterback who can hit their elite receiver up against Jalen Mills? Because, I mean, Odell against Mills, everybody and their mother coming into this game said, well, this is going to be a huge issue. And for the, for Odell to really not get any downfield targets against a guy who had been burned wow. unlike anyone for the past few weeks, it's just it's shocking to me. Doug Peterson in reading glasses. Yeah. Does that need to be a thing moving forward? No, we got time about this. <laughs> Uncle Doug went to young hip grandpa Doug, right? Like he was yeah. very salt on the we are, we are losing the, the the remaining brown hairs that were holding out steadfastly on the sideburns. We went full hat, we went reading glasses down low on the nose. He's channeling Andy. You can't tell me he's not channeling his inner Andy. Don't you convince me I'm wrong. The Look, second I saw those glasses, I said it's big red, which like he wouldn't have been called big red if he was here because he wasn't the head coach of the GJ, but it's big red. About to talk about mac and cheese and throw a shovel option, right? Like it just it felt super Andy to me. I I, I was relating to it just for me because I wear reading glasses and I was like, I like this Doug. This Doug gets me fired up. This is this is this is what I want to see. Uh yeah, I, I I was a big fan of that. I was a big fan of um oh Chris Wilson. Chris Wilson's in his December mode already. Eagles defensive line coach Wilson every winter grows a huge beard. And it's mm. October 11th, and Wilson's out there with this big gray beard. I was like, "What's up, Santa? Like, here we go. We're excited." Can we talk about uh, Zach Ertz real quick? Because I want to, I want to show him some love. We we talk about this a lot with him, but that touchdown grab that he had in the red zone against Janoris Jenkins, where they got him one on one with Jenkins, and he tilts Jenkins so hard on the post corner. That was a thing of. There aren't many tight ends out there that are as good at tilting defenders at the break point than there are Zach Ertz right now. He is elite at it. And I don't throw that word around. You know that. He is elite at tilting defenders at the break point. And his connection with Wentz, just the placement where he needs to be, just his ability to get open in those situations when he has the opportunity. Do you remember the the, the play to, to Jeffrey too? The touchdown to him in the red zone. You know when they showed the end zone angle? And you see Zach Ertz releasing. He's got three defenders with eyes on him because they know who we want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> listen, and that touchdown to uh, that touchdown to Ertz, man. Listen, they went weak side with a little uh, like the um, the Eagles offense. Talk about the weak side thing. We've talked about it a lot. When they go red zone, it's listen. We're gonna keep uh, a guy tight to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and a halfback to one side. And we're just going to stress you on the outside flats because we're going to put that corner in conflict and it's going to be open just so all the time. Here's 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 a fun question that mm-hmm. I've decided to pose to you now. It's not like a quiz. The ESPN rank 2018 NFL rank when they ranked the top 100 players. Uh, the Eagles had seven players ranked. Carson was number one. Fletch was number two. Lane was number three. Malcolm was number four. Ertz was number five. Brandon Graham was number six. Jason Kelsey was number seven. How do you feel about these rankings now? God, I would have to put Kelsey and 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 Ertz higher. Where's Alshon? 
I mean, obviously this was, I think this was like projected forward or whatever. I don't know what the logic behind it was. He continues to win my heart over and look more like the 2016 Alshon. And we were hard on him in the beginning of the year in 2017 and even throughout the year until I think it was like the San Francisco 49ers game before we were like, that's what we wanted to see. And even then we were skeptical. Then you find out he was playing the whole year with an injury. He looks faster this year. He looks healthy this year, which is super important. He's a beast. I hear you. Alshon, 6'3", 220. Wide receiver screens. We would have never run that last year. And we we talked about it. The 2016 burst he had off the line compared to the 2017 burst he had off the line, which was slower. He looks more like the 2016. Remember when they ran the screen to him a week ago? And I was like, yo, Alshon's got some burst to his game. Like, he's actually getting some yards after the catch now. Where did this dimension of his game come from? It was his worst graded trait. Even in 2016. Man wasn't getting yards after catch. Didn't know how to create. Right. He looks to- he looks he looks fantastic. Right. I tell you, the Eagles have a wide receiver core of Nelson Aguilar, Shelton Gibson, DeAndre Carter, Jordan Matthews, Alshon Jeffrey. It's third and eight. They threw a wide receiver screen. And they picked up the first down. Who got the ball? Jeffrey's your fourth guess, <laughs> right? They threw multiple wide yeah. receiver screens. Yeah. I mean, if 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 he had that, he had the slant where he sunned Eli Apple. Right? He just oh, shoved yeah. him off the line and then broke inside, which is totally legal. And it's just indefensible you need yeah. to be as big and as long as alshon jeffrey playing corner to deal with that and then obviously he had the two touchdown receptions and just you know, it was it was excellent downfield as per usual the last play i want to highlight just off the broadcast film jordan hicks mm, who has game. not been playing poorly has just been playing fine yeah. had a very jordan hicksian game in terms of what always made him special was when he saw things faster than everybody else. Mm-hmm. The interception on the first drive, which was huge. Carson, the first thing Carson said in the post game interview, it was big for us to get out early and to get yeah. a, a lead quick. By the way, real quick on that, that was a Hank concept. Eli Manning stared down the sit route, should have gone to the flat curl, ended up staring it down. Jordan saw it and broke on it. And Kamu Grugier, he'll comes up with a pick. Great play. The way he played it is is and it's it's perfect. So he's middle linebacker, so he's got third receiver to the strong side, which ends up being that tight end, right? But but if he's got to carry that route deep, right, he's worried about the deep uh, getting depth so he doesn't get beat over the top. That's your first responsibility. So what you do as a linebacker is you open up your hips to that side as if to start strafing, as if to start sidestepping and turning and running down mm-hmm. that side of the field. So Hicks gives that open, but if you watch him, he never transfers his weight because he knows exactly what's coming that's what that's what made hicks special was the anticipation in the film study so hicks gives that open deck look eli i'm about to head down the field but doesn't transfer his weight immediately turns and drives on the little crawl yeah. route pops that ball up camus right there i mean that's just high impact high quality play it's just yeah. it's just what you want from your football players ah it's just yeah. perfect and then yeah he sniffed out multiple screen of flat routes before they developed right where he was already on the ball before eli went to them which is which, like, we're talking about what does pressure let you do. Okay, well, when there's pressure, as uh, you know, it, it, the counter is get the ball out quickly. Well, when, when your linebackers know the ball's coming out quickly, they can turn and key on flat routes and screen routes even faster than they usually can. And that's what you saw Jordan Hicks be able to do. 
And against a guy like Barkley, you want to get there fast before he can try to make you miss. So uh, Jordan Hicks, great performance. Uh, uh, I'm excited to go through the, the, the all 22 on this one, man. See how much of execution was really different than it mm. was in the other games. Like how many step ups there were. Well, who really, you know, kind of brought it in a big game. Uh, uh, I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling it. Yeah, there's so many fun new things to see with the adjustments they made throughout the game on the offense that we talked about. The different things we saw from the coverage. The adjustments they made there, that's going to be fascinating to see. This is still a 3-3 three and three football team, but I'm enjoying this moment right now because what I've said before is this team needed an old-fashioned 2017 beatdown. We got one 34-13. We made the Giants quit, not unlike we made the Cowboys quit last year. So doing that to a division rival feels so good. Uh, ben, I have one more big point I want to hit before we before we send it home. Uh, is there anything you want to hit on and then uh, hit that? Say goodbye to the gentle listeners and we'll, we'll get this bad boy up so these so everyone can uh, enjoy the show before they go to bed. It's already super late. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Kiston Solak Show here on VGN Radio. Uh, dude, Victory Podcast, been a hot second. Exciting, fun to do. And especially because I wasn't able to do a Victory Podcast after the Colts game. So we haven't oh. done a Victory Podcast since week one. It's been a month. Dang shame. Glad we got to do it here. This has been the Kist and Solak Show here on PGN Radio. We do appreciate you listening, and we hope you're in a better mood this time. As always, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. I have no idea what the schedule is for podcasts because this is a Thursday, so I don't know when film comes out. I don't know when right. injury reports happen. Uh, <laughs> we're going to hang out. Keep refreshing the feed. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Send us some love on social media. It's a long week, but we'll be here uh, with you the entire way. So thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you whenever we are back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, we're, we're going to get the content to you one way or another. Like Ben said, I'm not exactly sure when the film's going to drop. We'll see if it's usable this time, unlike with the Vikings game. But Ben, last point. I found a passage in Tom Holland's book, Rubicon. Right. This is totally on brand for me. I haven't been able to do anything Roman history in a while. And I was reading this today and it, and it really okay, st- so, struck me. Uh, I'm just going to hang up and start exporting my audio. And whenever <laughs> you're done, you're done. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a quick point. But so Tom Allen's book, Rubicon, details the civil war between Julius Caesar and Poppy the Great. So I found this fitting for the predicament that this team and this fan base finds itself in three and three. Obviously, still things to work on. Not all is lost. So maybe I'll be the only one to make this connection. But back in 53 BC, there's a Roman statesman named Curio, and he built an amphitheater. This amphitheater had two different stages and two different banks of seats that were both balanced on a revolving pivot that would then lock the two stages and banks of seats together for the final show. So Pliny the Elder said of it, quote, this is where the gladiators would battle, even though the Roman people themselves, as they spun round in their seats, were in far greater peril than the gladiators, unquote. At the time... As Holland points out, the mood of the Republic, despite the omen of this wonder pregnant with menace, was fretful but not apocalyptic. And in this theater, to entertain and appease the audience, the blood of exotic animals had to be spilled. Curio specialized in panthers. We all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly. 
the Deputy Managing Editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, Lead Flyers Writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.